0: This is Limitless Possibility. I'm Yannick Maya. And I'm Luca Livid-Meble. And our topic this week is...
1: Permission system and privacy on mobile OSs. Hmm,
0: that topic sounds familiar. Uh, but first, we have some follow-up. Oh, yes, um, we do. Yeah, so uh, I'd like to start off with an apology for last episode because for some reason, um, my audio file got corrupt when I was recording and... Uh, my iPad wouldn't even let me open it, so that was the first warning sign. And then when I switched over to the computer, it opened it, but I realized that about an hour into it, my track was completely gone. Um, so we had to use the Skype recording as a fallback, and as you've no doubt noticed, uh, things got a little choppy and robotic at the end. Uh, we apologize for this. Hopefully it won't fuck up this week. Um,
1: oh, yeah, and I was super sad when Yannick asked me about uh, my scap my Skype recording because it was like, oh no, we will be forced to use it and I know that for at least five or ten minutes at the end it was super robotic. And it's funny because when we use Skype we don't do video chat for obvious reason, but I was freaking out when that was happening and I was like, oh my God, oh my god, is the call dropping or not? And it seemed (laughs) that it was not.
0: Yeah. So anyway, I'm glad we got that figured out. Um next up, uh PlayStation VR came out today, the day we're recording this. And people seem to be really liking it. Um, some of the listeners to the show even have had the chance to play with it. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't. I believe because he hasn't either. Hey, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, somebody we know will get a PSVR and we'll be able to <laughs> play with it.
1: Um, but hopefully, I am. Hopefully, it will be you, and hopefully, I'll be using yours. Um mm,
0: I have a couple other issues right now that prevent me from getting a PlayStation VR this early and I would also like to just hold out until there are actual games I'm interested in as opposed to just fancy tech demos. Um but yeah, so generally the review consensus seems to be that this is the most accessible VR has been ever. Uh it may not be the most technologically amazing VR technology out there, but it is the most comfortable and the most accessible which is probably going to be a big deal uh a year or two from now because if playstation vr as we've talked about on previous episodes is able to secure a solid game lineup which honestly oculus and vive don't seem to have right now um it could be a big big deal um and we've heard from a couple individuals who are not reviewers who've gotten to play with the device and their reactions seem to be overwhelmingly positive so i really can't wait to have the chance to play around with it uh who knows when that'll be
1: yeah and i would like to note that if a kind listener would like to share Is or her psvr with both yannick and i we would gladly accept this offer and obviously maybe review the device on this podcast hmm. oh you're not sure about that that's surprising okay oh hmm. well then If Yannick is not sure, I'll take that opportunity myself only.
0: Uh, That's not the point I was making. (laughs) The thing is, I don't think any of our listeners are going to hand over their PSVR that easily.
1: Um, Fair. Okay, fair.
0: Okay, lastly, I guess we really have to address this. Uh, Desjardins, which is my credit union, now supports Apple Pay. I have registered my debit card on my iPhone and on my Apple Watch, and I went to go try it, and it didn't work goodness, The curse continues.
1: Yes, I think you're cursed. You should not use plastic cards or uh, NFC technologies to do payments. I think you should just stick to cash and checks. But always works. And I'm going to get the chance to use it
0: in a couple months. So that's going to be great.
1: Yeah, um, I'll be honest though. I've rarely seen issues with Apple Pay since I've uh, used it. Uh, I... So
0: you're implying I'm the problem
1: here? Um, I won't... Acknowledge that statement, mm, uh, but I won't refute it either, either mm. so that's fishy, yep, uh to say the least though, also on my personal side for apple pay um uh, which uh released their apple pay support for a credit card, also teased in the uh, on in their updated terms of services that they might be bringing it finally to their card debit card too, so uh right now. I have uh, bank products in two banks and one credit union and the last card not available in Apple Pay for me personally is my Debit Tangerine card and I will gladly hope that it will uh, finally come and rumor says uh, that it should be happening in November. So we'll see in a couple of weeks and obviously we will report back on that.
0: Of course we can't keep ourselves from talking about Apple Pay when it comes up. So now let's move on to the main
1: topic. Oh yeah, so the main topic uh, this week is the permission system and privacy on mobile OSs. And as we discussed during our digital hub series, uh, our mobile devices are filled with an enormous amount of personal data and the current key players in the mobile space space have uh, different opinions and ideas about accessing and giving it giving access to it to others. So obviously uh, we will explore the different approaches and obviously as you might guess there's mainly two approaches to this problem, but uh, we will explore the different approaches to permission system on uh, mobile OSs. And the main reason why I want to focus on mobile OSs is that they are the first one to propose kind of a, I would like to say a mainstream approach at uh, a mainstream solution to this problem. And I would like to revisit that later in the episode when we'll talk about uh, maybe improvements or uh, problems we face with the current approaches. And obviously, obviously it wouldn't be a Limit po episode if we were not to bitch about current solutions. So expect mm. us to do that. Anything here you want to add before I continue on our first approach which will be iOS?
0: Uh, well the reason I said that this topic sounds familiar from at the top of the episode is because that I was the one who put it in a list of topic ideas like years ago, like two years ago. <laughs> And then I worked eight my access to that shared document, and only you had access to it. So now you get to be the genius who looks like he has this brilliant idea for
1: a cool episode. Hey, come on. I did ask before, quote unquote, stealing this idea from you. Mm. And you did tell me, oh, I did put that in the document. And it was like, oh my goodness.
0: That's how long ago it was.
1: Yes, it was a long time ago. But. Um... Maybe in a later episode, we could discuss those iWork.com and uh, pages oh, collaboration uh, woes that we had. Because we have shit ton of them, especially regarding that mythical document. <laughs> yeah. But uh, maybe anything else you want to add on the topic before we start? Uh, not really. Good. So let's start with our good friend iOS. Um, I think... I would say that most of our listeners are familiar with the permission system on iOS, but it's really uh, interesting to take a look at what it was sits its inception. And obviously uh, iOS has put the user in control of its permission system. Um, and the gist of it is each time an iOS app requires access to uh, private slash sensitive user data, the app is required to explicitly ask the user. So a dev will need to call a specific type of API that will request access to let's say, for example, the user's location, and the user is given the choice to either accept it or refuse it. And... On the
0: developer side, that's not always necessarily true though. Um certain things have had permissions backported on top of existing APIs, and then applications who are using the APIs that didn't have support for explicit permission requests just have it baked in automatically Uh, i think contacts is one in particular where it was backported and there wasn't for a while anyway an actual api to ask for permission and it just returned an empty uh address book to the api's user if you just said no at the dialogue
1: oh yeah and that's what we'll see uh throughout the ios history is yes the general concept of their um Permission system hasn't changed that much, but what they what they added throughout the years is uh, More permission and even greater control on existing ones And that's what's interesting to see because a good example of that would be like my example the location service Permission in the iPhone OS 1 and 2 days uh, an app obviously could ask for uh, location permission, but there was no way to fully turn this feature off. Like if you were a user that would say like, I want location services turn off completely on my phone. I don't want the GPS to be used for any any purposes. You had to turn it off each time that the OS would ask, uh, uh, no, sorry, would ask the OS to get access to that. And obviously, um, each new release of iOS added more control uh, until one specific point, which I think personally affected the way apple improved most of its uh, permission system and here i talk about the 4.3 quote-unquote a location gate oh god yes you do remember that and you know what yes. i was looking at the specificity of this problem in 4.3 and what i realized is we got two giant ios gate in ios 4 and it is pretty funny oh i won't god. go on to uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go too deep into the other one, but uh, let's focus on the one that was affecting our uh, permission. So as a quick a reminder, um, s- I think since iOS, iPhone OS 2, Apple was, crowdsourced, was creating a crowdsource uh, location database on the iPhone, and this database was stored on each iOS devices. And the main problem some researchers found is that it was pretty, pretty accurate on mostly all of the location you've been with the phone uh, i do remember that this a uh, researcher that uh, i forgot his name or her name i'm sorry but uh let's continue uh but this person released a tool where you could look at the database in each point and it was kind of a it was using some i think it was using like open street map but any random location services map and it was uh using an eat map where you have like bigger circle meant you spent more time there and it was crazy the amount of data that was logged by the phone and uh the other problem was that this database was backup throughout uh, through the itunes connect backup system and obviously if you were to restore your backup onto another iphone this database will transfer so the way I remember it is nobody was able to kind of access it to uh, official API uh, Apple APIs. But obviously, if somebody was able to put uh, their N on one of your personal cl- uh, uh, iTunes backup, they will have access to this file and in most cases have an accurate representation of all of the location you spent time with your iPhone in the last few years. So obviously, Apple had to fix that. And in the iOS 4.3.3 release, and obviously, oh, another fun things of iOS 4, it was also part of the 4.2.8 release for the iPhone 4 CDMA. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, old... I forgot
0: those days. <laughs> yeah. Those were a pain in the ass.
1: Yeah, those days where on one version number, you add certain model of the iPhone. On other version, you have the, oh, and you also add the, iP- the iPad track. Ah, uh, the old times. But on those two release, uh this bug was fixed and they did three things. They reduced the size of this uh, cache because it was still needed to help. Uh, I think what we've realized is it did help their um, own location slash map initiative in the future. Obviously this file is no longer backed up uh, to iTunes and obviously later on to iCloud. And if you turn off location services, now that it was available, it would delete this uh, database entirely. So all of this uh, small tangent on location, just to say that starting iOS 5, what we've seen, especially for location services permission, is you add even more control to them. And that's what we've seen in in iOS 6, 7, 8 through 10, is every time Apple will go to uh, touch and change something to the permission system. It's not to it's either A to add more permission or B it's to give the user more control about the current permission. And um, I know you mentioned of that and it, it was a permission the...
0: system. But I think there's even an extra point for that, which is I think that's where they got the idea for the whole uh differential privacy thing that they're pushing so hard in iOS 10 that may have been like the turning point where they decided like we need to invest in this idea that apple is the brand that protects your privacy unlike google unlike facebook unlike all of these other internet companies you know um because at that point there was no real incentive for apple to be collecting all of this data well there was they were trying to build a location database of their own but i mean like it wasn't clear why this database was on your phone and why ostensibly it was being sent to apple in some fashion um and i think that's when they sort of woke up and said yeah maybe it should be a bigger deal that apple backs users privacy and does things to protect their privacy like that
1: oh yeah totally and to if we look to the what i think were the personally the biggest uh additions in the Upcoming, uh, not upcoming, but to the recent iOS version is in iOS 5 they added way more location services permission and obviously they added more control to the system services itself when they wanted to to work with uh, location services. So you could like disable, uh, I know some of those features are either like for uh, frequent location where now your iPhone can get uh, more knowledge about whether it should show you upcoming calendar events or either to the uh, weather like subsystem in the us so right now you have control of all of this but personally the biggest addition to the original idea for its system was added in ios 6. in ios 6 the settings app got refreshed with a new section called privacy which encompassed all of the permission a user can give to an app and especially if you turn them on or off on a per app basis and iOS 7 added even more per app basis to. I think what happened in iOS 6 is some like camera contacts. Some of those, like you mentioned, Yannick, uh, were added, and you also have a way to turn them off per application. And lastly, the two minor updates that we've seen in iOS 8 and iOS 10 were uh, f- the first one was in iOS 8, the settings that have. App- will now have a section for each app installed on your device and this section will show all of the requested permission from an app. Uh, usually, uh, pre- previously on iOS 7 and before, your app would gain uh, settings in the settings of the app if you were to put settings from the dev. So the dev decided to put its settings from the application inside settings of the app. But now, even if you don't define what they call a settings bundle for your own application, your app will have access to this page and you'll be able to see all of the uh, required, not required, but all of the asked permission that you you either authorize or uh, did not authorize. And it's really easy for the user now to just go, okay, uh, Facebook, okay, it's using my location, it's having access for, um, for my camera and personally that was the main gripe i had with that system is managing permission after you got asked once was a big pain in the butt and adding this settings panel for each application is a great way uh, to go and the last minor update was shipped recently in ios 10 and in ios 10 the system forced any app developer to provide a reason for accessing each perp- permission the apps require. So failing to do so, okay, if your app was not properly updated to iOS 10, the system will kill your application. So it's pretty uh, jarring to say like, okay, your application is trying to access the contacts database. And previously, the system would say, okay, blah, 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 is trying to access your contact database without giving the user too much context, especially if the context was a bit, weird you press maybe like okay i want to publish something or your status information from a social network and then pop you got an uh, you got the alert saying okay this application is trying to access it um so uh now by prov- by forcing developers to provide a reason Apple's is forcing developer to think about their usage of those user sensitive data and Obviously, if a developer hasn't thought about using that and maybe it's using third-party code that is accessing, trying to access those data, now the app would just crash and in my personal opinion, would protect even more the uh, user's privacy because there will be no need, no way for the user to grant access for something that the developer deemed not necessary.
0: Just to add some context to that, like that functionality of adding a reason to your permission request has been in the OS since like iOS 5, iOS 6, I want to say. Um, Most of them were added in iOS 6
1: with the new privacy settings.
0: Yeah, except they were always optional, and now they're really enforcing like you need to provide a reason. Um, one thing that's kind of frustrating in a way, uh, from a developer point of view, is... Uh, y- I don't know if it's still like this, but it was like this last time I tried to implement a uh, permission requests. is you only get one reason for the entire app. And if you have a particularly complex application, like let's say Facebook, which has like basically an entire operating system's worth of features built into an app so big that it doesn't run on Android sometimes. Um, like y- you're going to have a very hard time condensing your actual usage of that data into a coherent sentence or two Um, and i think that's sort of a problem and the other thing is like apple is very clear in their guidelines that they recommend you only ask for permission once a user has explicitly asked to use a feature that requires it and so you can't really do something like scoped permission requests where you say this feature would like to access the contacts but you might want as a user to not permit contacts access in another feature of the application and of course there's nothing preventing the developer on their side to say well these are now combined into the same features so you can't circumvent this check but I would like to a certain degree to have more granular control of whether uh, users would like to allow contacts access for this feature or that feature and at that point it becomes sort of a developer goodwill thing to implement it themselves and ask the user ahead of time if they want to allow contacts usage for a specific feature that may or may not be controversial uh, in that respect and you have to assume that the developer does the right thing
1: oh yeah totally and i think part of that is now with the current pushes uh that apple is making for app extension whether you have kind of a share extension or a watch extension or a widget i could see some parts uh, being have, having access to contacts, like you said, and maybe not the main app or the main app, but not the widget. And you, right now it's an all or nothing, but in a way it's all or nothing when the user did something to have, to kind of, to force the app to request access to it.
0: Right, but like Apple's recommended flow is, you press a button for a feature and the first time you use that feature you ask for the permissions that are required for that feature whereas i think the way that most applications are doing it right now and it's even something i've done in telebitter because well in my case it's an application that does only one thing so there's sort of no purpose to the app if you don't allow the permissions but that's another thing um, i think most apps are just doing it through a tutorial when you launch the application and they ask for all the permissions that they they want or need up front and then the user is sort of screwed from that point on uh, they can go turn it off but they aren't necessarily sure what turning off those permissions is going to disable within the application when they do so and you don't want to wind up sort of like Dropbox where they sort of silently turn on their permissions in the background not that they can do that on iOS but
1: no and I think you're right but I would uh, stop us there because uh, you're kind of touching in I'm spoiling the surprise. You're not spoiling a surprise, but spawning more what we'd we'll like to see improved. Okay. And uh, I think it will be better if we take a look at the other side. And I'm not saying the dark side. I'm not saying the dark side. I'm just saying the other side. But let's take a look at our other good friend, Android. Because uh, since its inception, Android has a total different way of thinking about the permissions on their system. Um, throughout its life, uh, I, I Android had two different systems and we'll start with the first one. The first one was an app is is forced to declare all of the permission in a file called a manifest. And this permission were shown was transformed into a list view UI shown to the user when the user wants To download and install this application so in the system the user had kind of two choice Um, either you are to authorize the application for all of the permission it's requesting and then the install will begin or just cancel the installation because you don't want the application to have access to maybe a couple of uh, permission it is asking uh, to be honest, though, uh, I think that this appos has the advantage of being upfront or open. But uh, what we've seen in the wild that since Android has so much more permission than iOS, that uh, we end up experiencing uh, quite of a major problem in that system. So uh, the w- Typical workflow when you install an app is the following: on uh, Android is you're on the Google Store. Okay, you want to install, let's say, Facebook. So you press install, and then you're presented with a list that might be as long as three screen i of permission that the app's "quote unquote" requires, and you don't know why it requires some of them. Uh, and
0: another thing is that they were sort of grouped together into categories, which were even more vague because there was a little subtitle under the category, which sort of tried to explain like what kinds of things are in the category. Uh, So there was like a phone category and under it there was like, make calls, see your contacts, blah, blah, blah. And like people were quick to assume that it was asking for everything that was listed in the thing. So there was huge controversy when like Facebook Messenger came out because it was asking for basically every right imaginable because that's what Facebook does with all of their apps and people saw like all of these crazy things that messenger could possibly do with the rights that it was given. And it's true that Facebook could do these things if you installed their app, but it didn't necessarily mean that the app did those things, which is where something like the the request purpose uh, API on iOS makes sense because that allows you to at least give the user some semblance of an idea of what you're using the permission for, as opposed to this approach, which is the same for all applications.
1: Yeah, and if I continue a bit in the workflow, imagine that you're a thoughtful user and you start to read those permissions. And in my example, we're installing our our favorite social network, Facebook, and you read to them and, okay, it wants access to the GPS. So it's like, okay, GPS baby, because I want to like check in somewhere. So it's okay. Want access to the camera? It's okay, I want to post pictures. But then it starts to ask permission like, I want to save files inside your like, flash external memory (laughs) i want to have access to read and send sms's which by the way are permission available on android which uh, boggles my mind and and then what happened in most cases is people understood that this screen is shown there's some text that you want to ignore and just press install so you see the screen you press install again and it works but then what happened is we saw a couple of examples yannick mentioned facebook which the developer is asking for too much permission either because they really need those permission and you don't want you don't want to know why they need them because it might be a bit fishy or on the other hand uh, some kind of quote-unquote malware application is using this feature where not this feature but this habit that people have of not reading it to just say okay it's a photo camera so it requires photos and internet connection because yes it's also a permission internet connection
0: <laughs> well and- he- here's uh, one case that happened with facebook that i think is particularly bad um and it's when they introduced the facebook beta program i don't know if you know about this um on android for a certain period of time they introduced what they called the facebook beta program which allowed power users of facebook to opt into a beta program where they would they would get to test new features of facebook on android um, more regularly and the way they did this is they asked for the permission on every single (laughs) installation of facebook for android to install arbitrary applications because then what they did is they would install an apk for facebook beta and like that well, first of all, like that was allowed on the Google Play Store until Facebook did it and then they said maybe this is a terrible idea, maybe we should block this, uh which was a good idea to block because then it's basically this glaring security hole that tells you, yeah, from now on you can install arbitrary applications without having that permissions dialog and therefore anything with any permission can be installed onto your system basically. It's not a very responsible thing to do. And I think that like it's one of the risks of having that experience be built into the store as opposed to being built into the operating system. I mean, ostensibly it's built into the operating system because the operating system is the thing that's providing the rights to access those features, but like the UI that was presented to the user was internal to the store and that's a problem because then when you install an arbitrary APK that comes from somewhere, you don't necessarily present that UI and then crazy shit happens.
1: Oh yeah, and I th- I think All of those examples kind of amplifies the major difference at that time that Android and iOS had. Um, You know that Apple, every time they added permission, it was a thoughtful act. So it's like, okay, uh, obviously we start with location because location, we start with that.
0: Contacts only got added because of Path uploading the entire contact uh, book to their servers in plain text, right?
1: Yeah, some of them were added because developer was abusing feature. But some of them were added because they were thoughtful about adding those compared to Android at first where the last number I've seen, it's not... I was, it was hard to find in the Apple dev document, uh, the Android dev documentation. But the biggest number I've seen for the number of available permission is above one hundred. One hundred permission feature that you can, an application that can ask, and it goes from having access to the camera to being able to read any data on an SD card, which might be might contain app ad, uh, application data from another app to, like Yannick just say, said as an example, being able to install other application. to, the last but not least, the fucking root permission, which, ah, oh, yes, I know, an app cannot request it, but it's still a permission to the system, and that's why, kind of, from what I understood, that's why rooting is available, because it's a permission to the system. It just... Up- I don't
0: think that's entirely accurate, uh, from what I know about Android rooting, <laughs> but...
1: Uh, yeah, I might not be. I think exact- it's
0: two different types of root. I think it's root as far as the permission system is concerned, but I don't think it's root as in rooting the entire
1: device. Fair, but the fact that you have some kind of device root available to your application scare the shit out of me. <laughs> Remember, like, I w- it's funny because I was reading the uh, release notes on Wikipedia for the iPhone OS and root was the user that was running the application from iPhone OS 1.0 to 1.03 or maybe 1.1? And then you yeah. realized that maybe that's not a good idea to run application as root.
0: Well, it, it sort of makes sense if you consider that the original iPhone didn't really have apps per se. Like they were running directly on... The, they were assuming it was like an iPod device where it's sort of an appliance and not really a computer but as soon as you start treating it more like a computer then you sort of have to be more careful about how things work and i think like uh the jailbreaking community especially in the 1.0 days and 1.1 days proved that there was so much potential that that sort of pushed apple in the direction to make an sdk available to developers but also pushed them in the direction of maybe securing their shit a little better because like it was trivial when the original iPhone came out to jailbreak thing. And nowadays, you're lucky if you get a jailbreak for a major iOS version. Like, we have been very, very lucky for the past few years to get a consistent jailbreak around the same period of time in the year that people sort of now just expect that, like, around January, February, there's going to be a jailbreak guaranteed for whatever the major version of iOS is. And, like, if you knew the amount of work... And the amount of money that is sacrificed to give you a free jailbreak like you have no idea because like the exploits necessary for a jailbreak are going for crazy amounts on the black market right now
1: <laughs> oh totally but even then what i wanted to say compa- comparing the kind of number of available permission is when under started yes i'll play the same like open cassette but I think the permission system the way it was designed designed till Android 6 and we'll start to talk a bit about Android 6 a bit later but what it shows is it's an OS where you're allowed to do stuff you can ask for most permission but the OS itself exposed so much permission because it expect, expect people to use those permission it's open about the fact that an application can send SMS if it wants to. It just needs to request a permission and if the user accepts it, it will be able to do so. Where on the other side, yes, there might be some strange places where I, Apple was more open about uh, the user data. Like uh, you give an example, contact was a bit like that too. But I have cannot conceptualize a way where Apple was like, yeah, it seems logical that an app can have access to the SMS sending feature of the phone and it should send anything it wants. Yeah, no, I understand. And that's what I meant with kind of uh, understanding this concept of, yes, the app requests everything. You just press install. You see everything it sees. It's clear clear, uh, that this app requires A, B, and C. It's clear. You know if you press install, it will have access to it. You don't know why in most cases. But is as the advantage of being upfront, and with all the problem we discussed uh, in Android Six Slash Marshmallow, Google did a full-on full eighty, for uh, one eighty sorry, and revamped the permission system to have more uh, to have one more akin to the iOS model. Obviously, uh, I won't recap the iOS model, but the iOS model is like. You ask for permission at runtime, the user can also revoke uh, permissions or like re-enable permission he did revoke while uh, being asked at runtime in the device settings. And this change meant that the user is not able to do that. And uh, yes, it also meant that this uh, change was available for all applications that were not installed, uh, updated with the new APIs. So you could also turn off features that were previously authorized with this old, like, prompt at install. And now you can just turn it off. And obviously, the Android phone will tell you, like, okay, this feature was uh, not meant to be designed for this particular application because it must be enabled, but the system will do what it asks you to do. And I'm sure I'm not surprising listener, but obviously Google is suggesting and recommending really hard that developer move uh, to the latest Android API version to fully support this new uh, permission system. Mm-hmm. Uh, t- 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 and I think now we can go back to maybe improvements and to uh, maybe better illustrate my opinion about some improvements and improving the system. I would personally, uh I would like to talk a bit about Windows Phone.
0: Yay, finally, someone who wants to talk about Windows Phone, of
1: course uh, and Windows Phone's approach has been more of something I would like consider not better but more considered uh, fixing some uh problems I have with the iOS uh, problem and obviously uh the new way of the permissions in Android. right now uh, right now. Windows Phones and Windows 10 Mobile is taking an approach that is more called, I would say, more describe it as an uh, hybrid approach. Um, Obviously, a Windows Phone slash Windows 10 uh, Mobile app can ask for permission at runtime in about the same way as iOS and Android 6. But also, it can force acceptance of specific permission at install time the same way that uh, Android used to do. And it's not clear if it's really to say like okay we do that for apps where having the authorized quote quote token for this pers- this specific permission would kind of impact the usability of um the app i think let's take an example that is kind of a single purpose app um a better camera app or maybe like a location service, uh, location social network, like Foursquare, for example. Um, a better camera app will depends directly on having access to the camera. So it does feel strange to me that each time I want to install a new camera app on my phone, I need to wait for the application itself to ask the system to take access of the camera. Because personally, uh, okay, maybe it's because I'm reading the description, but... I'm kind of understanding that I'm downloading a camera app so it should at least tell me, okay, you're about to download a camera app. It will require access to the camera to work. Do you accept that? Yes. And then it installs. And it could just... And if it requires more permission that are more akin to what you discussed a bit earlier today, uh, more akin to specific workflows saying, okay, um, at some point I want to have access to your photo library because i also have an editing feature it could ask access or and ask this photo library permission at the time of editing because in maybe like 70 to 75 percent of the time only having access to the camera and saving those picture not in your photo library but it's in your own uh, app container it's more than good enough so uh, asking those permission at The same uh, when they are required feels to me that okay like i understand that in this workflow i need to have access to contacts or to the photo library so it's easy to understand that okay i I can accept it or deny it but the problem i see with this approach where you might leave some uh, might give some leverage and give some permission to be asked at install time is what's the right number of quote-unquote required permission that an application can ask at install time. If you're asking for too much, we go back to the same problem we had with Android. So it feels to me that this problem could solve some, but if it's uh, if it's kind of thought the right way, saying like, okay, maybe a app can ask for one or two permissions that they deem, the developer deem, really important. And you know what? If they want to get this kind of quote-unquote privilege, it could be just, just justify at the app store level, saying that when you're going to review, you need to explain why, as a developer, you think that your app should ask before it gets installed to have access to location services. And personally, if you say that in 70, 75, 80% of your workflow, a feature of your application will require access to the service, it deems to me that this is, quote unquote, a required permission, and it could be pretty important to fit in that ideal feature that we are talking about
0: yeah i think there are two things i want to say about this the first is i think that scenario is good if you're working with applications from primarily indie developers who have their consumers interests at heart um i think like the idea of having sort of a prerequisites versus optional features permissions model is a good idea and it's something that i would welcome on ios problem is you always have to consider that there are bigger companies who are hungry for data who are on the lookout for these kinds of things and to abuse them so what's keeping facebook from saying well this is a feature we made and we expect 90 percent of our users to use it so we're going to turn on all the permissions when you install facebook because that's what we think is needed to have the best experience in our application and they're not technically lying except you don't necessarily see eye to eye with facebook's vision 100 percent um and you could see some kind of abuse that way. The other thing that comes to mind, just listening to how you're describing it, is that's sort of how macOS sandboxing works. There's two levels of permissions. There's entitlements which are declared in the application. And you say really like what kind of sandbox rights your application should be allowed to have. And those are never exposed to the user at all. Like they're just internal to the app into the app store. And then there's um, like additional permissions on top of that. So if you use the uh, user's webcam or contacts or all of that stuff. Um, entitlements and permissions are not interchangeable. Something that is an entitlement is not a permission and vice versa. Um, so like you can't have a camera entitlement in uh, OS 10. That doesn't work. Uh, it's a camera permission and you have to go through that dialogue like everyone else. Um, but I think like that approach to having In even more closed system, it really seems odd to me. By the way, that OS 10 has a more closed sandboxing system than iOS in many ways because, like, it doesn't really behave that way on iOS. Um, But I guess there's so much more at stake on OS 10 because you're exposed to an entire computing system as opposed to just the sandbox for your application. So I guess there's more to manage there. But I think like the entitlements model is much smarter in a way because. Apple reviews your entitlements to make sure that you're not doing anything stupid that you aren't supposed to, in theory, anyway. Um, And those, since those are never exposed to the user, you can just have to trust Apple that the entitlements are good and are limited to the scope of what the application does. And then there's also the permissions, which is again user facing for the stuff that really users might care more about. Like entitlements are more about protecting the user from things that the user doesn't even know the app is going to be using, whereas permissions is really giving users control over the things that an application explicitly wants access to.
1: Yeah, and it's really funny to me that you're giving uh, OS X as an example. Because, because OS 10
0: sandboxing is a pain in the
1: ass. <laughs> okay, that was part number two, but part <laughs> number one is all of those changes in OS 10 got introduced after iOS. I know you're saying that uh, the sandboxing is maybe better than the iOS one. But still...
0: I- I'm not saying it's better. I'm saying that the model o- is a better idea, but in execution, I would not say that iOS was sandboxing is good. okay.
1: <laughs> fair, fair. No, I, I think he- you did put the right words there, uh, that the idea is better, but the execution was not. But just to come back to my point, was that if we go back in 2007, I know it's a long way... Uh, but it's what nearly seven, nine years ago. Yeah, and you, then you were to look at all of the mobile OSs and the typical OSs that would run on desktops. Not that much at this concept of user data permission. I would say, obviously, an OS and is is in conception as different permissions and all of that stuff, but. What I'm thinking about here is like permission where a user says, okay, I give you access to my data or I gave you access to this feature of my Macintosh that can be uh, pretty uh, privacy-driven if put in wrong hands. It it felt to me that Apple, Google, any um, Microsoft started to see what could happen with those issues when everybody had a smartphone in their hands. And when they realize that, okay, maybe that the computing stuff were moving to those, that's a totally different story. But what I'm saying is, what happens when your computer is not in front of your desk, where it's maybe hard to move, uh, hard to steal, compared to an iPhone that uh, I can just get punched in the face and somebody can steal it from me in a crowd and hopefully I have a password and my data is protected and all of that stuff. And we've seen then all of those companies starting to build permission system on their mobile OS's and slowly but surely bringing those ideas. Apple is bringing those ideas to the Mac. Uh, like you said, the permission system, I think most permission that we have on iOS, like contacts, camera, calendar, reminders, now have its own permission system retrofitted on current APIs or even new APIs. Uh, so, Developers are not forced to force the user to give explicit uh, authorization to have access to it. And I think it's for the, it's for the better, to be honest, for, even for those users. Because in a way, those computers, some of them might be easier to have access to this information than others. But in a way, they contain the same information. And a misbehaving application on one on the other could have the same effect if they have access to all of your data. Yeah. And we, and we surely seen that in the windows XP era where, and we still see that with uh, like ransomware where your computer gets, gets encrypted and somebody wants money from you to get the encryption keys. If you've, if you're lucky, if you're lucky.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. So uh, to be honest, that was mostly what I had to say regarding our permission systems. I think I, what I will say to conclude that is most mobile OS's are made giant progresses and you see right now Android, they had a, they had a solution, they uh, kept with it for a while, they did make some changes. Uh, We've seen in uh, Android 4.2 to 4.4 that there was some kind of glimpse of uh, per app permission settings that got went away and then came back with Android 6. And... It feels to me that even with those changes, everybody is going to the same direction, which in different levels, they want to give more power to the user while trying to find the best way to minimize the managing cost of managing those permissions to the user.
0: Yeah, I think it's sort of weird though. that. Um, well, I guess that technically isn't true. I was going to say, Chrome Web Store does the same thing that uh, Google Play used to do, where it presents all the permissions up front. But I don't think that's actually true anymore, because a lot of other web-based technologies basically prompt you in the browser when they're going to use their feature. Uh, So maybe they changed around the same time as Android 6 did? I'm not exactly sure. It's been so long since I've actually used a Chrome web app that does stuff i mean technically yeah okay i installed <laughs> I, I was thinking about like the chrome app we installed at work which was citrix receiver which basically has root permissions on your computer which is a scary thing to allow oh my! Uh, it's a scary thing to allow a web browser to do but it's even scarier to do it for, for like a web app
1: yeah but and you know what what's even scarier is the fact that an app a web app can do that yeah Not that you can allow it it's that I mean, has a way to do that
0: yeah the entire reason i use chrome on windows is because of its security model in fact i would probably use it on the mac if i wasn't so sold by safari because like chrome for mac let's be honest it's pretty terrible um and badly optimized for like every metric imaginable um <laughs> but like on windows it makes so much more sense because its security architecture is so brilliant and then to think like you can grant root privileges basically to a web app in chrome sort of cancels the entire point of that security architecture to a certain degree um so i'm not too fond of that um but yeah those now that i remember uh, having to install citrix those are managed similarly to how they were on android where your permissions are asked up front and if they want additional permissions during an app update, then they'll ask you before the update is installed, which is something you forgot to mention in the Android uh, place. If new permissions got added, it prompted you to accept the new permissions. Um, but oh, yeah, I totally
1: forgot about that. You're right. Yeah, and, so I guess
0: Chrome does that too, which is sort of weird.
1: And yeah, and you give a good example as even in the web right now, um, I think it's it's about to become part of the standards where, like, yes, if you can uh, access uh, some permission, uh, you do have those two different worlds where, like, some will ask you in install time, and I think the best example of that is Safari when it asks you for either location or, and it, same for Chrome, too. When you, when a web page asks for your creation, it will ask you when the web page is asking for it. It's not when you install Chrome or you open your browser. So more and more of those, like, native feature coming to the web seems to follow the same idea saying like let's ask when a website requests it and just decline it or authorize it
0: and to a certain degree i think it's a lot of lobbying on part of apple at the w3c to basically try to get that approach accepted by the web developers because i think apple more than any other company uh because they don't make their business relying on the web they are much more, uh, much less trustworthy of websites out there than a lot of the other companies are. And so they want to lock that shit down. They don't necessarily want to restrict what is possible from a web page, but they at least want it to be locked down tight so that it can't be taken advantage of by random websites. And we've talked previously about like uh, the proposal to allow random websites to access your USB ports and any device plugged in via USB. And that sounds like sounded like a completely terrible idea. By the way, that's in Chrome now. Um, oh, it's... Oh,
1: no. Oh, really? Oh.
0: Yes, because um, Citrix asked for it, which is why it came to mind earlier. Like, we got the Chrome update that the feature was added to, and then Citrix asked for those permissions in the next update. Um,
1: oh, my goodness.
0: Yeah, so that is a thing. Uh, so, yeah, you really want to be careful uh, what you allow web pages to do, especially without permissions. But you also want the permissions workflow to be very very obvious and i think that's part of the reason like i I don't talk about this often but i don't use the facebook app on my devices i don't trust the facebook app which is probably not a good sign um but like i think there is so much potential for abuse with like facebook will ask for permissions like i mentioned for a specific feature And there's nothing saying that they're not using it for something else in the background. And I realize that, like, my distrust of Facebook is seeping through everything I do with Facebook. But I know that if I go to the web page and I don't allow the web page to do anything, I have the same-ish experience. And I know that they're not doing anything creepy on my phone. And that is what, that's the only way I'll use Facebook anymore is through the web page.
1: Oh, yeah. And you can bring the other example that is, that comes to mind recently is Dropbox. Like, Right now on my computer, Dropbox asked me to have like accessibility permission because they wanted that permission to do who knows what. And it seems to me that they kind of knew that it was weird to ask, so they kind of went around the system to make, to ask it or to insert themselves to the right place. I'm very
0: confused by all of this Dropbox stuff because I've never had Dropbox ask me for any of this. And I don't know if it's because I installed Dropbox from the Mac App Store.
1: You what you installed Dropbox from the Mac App
0: Store? I'm pretty sure I installed it from the Mac App Store when they added the support for the official um El Capitan uh Finder integration stuff for uh cloud storage services and stuff. Like, I think mm-hmm. they added Dropbox to the App Store then, and that's where I got it from.
1: Hmm, interesting.
0: Like, I don't know if there's, like, this super secret version of App Store Dropbox that I'm using, or maybe it's just a scammy app and I haven't realized all this time. (laughs) Um, That would be really bad. Um,
1: Yeah, maybe that's that.
0: But, uh, like, I have never run into any of these prompts uh, from Dropbox, and I'm very confused by what everybody's reporting. But apparently, like, Dropbox has been doing crazy power abuse on the Mac, uh, on it's customers' max, and I think it's really, really strange and unfortunate because Dropbox is a product that so many people love, and to see them doing really shady things for questionable benefit is really strange.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally. And you know what? I was uh, in your camp saying that I don't remember remember giving them the authorization of seeing that prompt until I used the instruction on the web to say like, okay, I'll remove their. Uh, permission and kill the app and then do blah blah blah. and guess what the second i restart my computer it did ask for the fucking permission so i was like oh okay i did it and you know what the shady part is third prompt looks so much the typical oh it's a mac application that wants to access this permission or uh, requires your pass your admin password it looks so close to it that if you don't look carefully and you know what i do now (laughs) <laughs> like each time another application show this prompt and that's where i realize, oh here's the icon the icon is a bit different the lock icon is also a bit different the wording in the sentences is completely different and this is where i realize, okay this is completely shady
0: if you want to hear more about that Dropbox stuff, uh, listen to ATP191, which came out a couple hours before we started recording this podcast. And I made it just far enough to know that they're talking about it. Um, but they talk about the Dropbox issue and Dropbox alterna- alternatives in depth. Uh, so go listen to that at ATP.fm.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, it will gladly conclude this episode on permission. Permission, they are nice for good people and bad people will always find a way to abuse them
0: but honestly like that's the case for any app store related rule honestly
1: (laughs) (laughs) you're right
0: okay so if you want to find the show notes for this episode you can go to limitlesspossibility.net slash 51 or you can find all of our episodes at limitlesspossibility.net You can find the show on Twitter at Limipo underscore podcast. That's L-I-M-I-P-O underscore podcast. Uh, I have a plug this week. Uh, I may be on a podcast within the next two weeks about uh, everybody's favorite game company, Bungie. And I'm going to be representing the players of Destiny who have played more than 800 hours of the stupid fucking game. Uh, (laughs) So if you want to hear me talk about Destiny, uh, look for a
1: link on Twitter. Okay. And you are the one judging me because I played what? 50 hours of the division
0: i played 800 hours on almost two years
1: okay next time i'll remember that when you say something bad about the division
0: Uh, destiny is going to be around for 10 years so i'm going to have way more than 800 hours that's guaranteed
1: whereas (sighs) the division
0: everybody everybody's arguing about whether or not it'll survive another year so that's
1: not (laughs) we'll see in 10 years
0: yeah um you can find me on Twitter if you want to find out about that podcast uh, at Sakurina S-A-K-U-R-I-N-A You can also find be at uh,
1: Lucadivier that's L-U-C-C-O-N-O-U-C-H-E and hopefully I'm not bitching about Yannick playing disney eh?
0: uh, Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, and we'll see you in two weeks for our anniversary episode.
1: Ooh, two years! Yay!